I'd like to put it this way, oxygenate or die. We need to get that air in us. We need to utilize oxygen. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Dr. Jim Laval. Today, we will discuss the nine key factors that are essential for the creation and maintenance of a strong, healthy body, and ultimately how you can increase your longevity with the metabolic code. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Jim Laval. He's best known for his expertise in personalized integrative therapies and covering the underlying metabolic issues that keep people from feeling healthy and vital. A thought leader in drug nutrient depletion issues, he has published four books and three databases in this area alone. As such, he has over 35 years experience integrating natural and integrative therapies into various medical and business models. His latest research is in drug-induced microbiome disruption. He's the founder of Metabolic Code Enterprises, Inc., which has launched the cloud-based Metabolic Code, which helps practitioners and consumers identify their metabotype through labs, subjective surveys, evaluation of drug-induced nutrient depletion, and biometrics. He also founded Integrative Health Resources, which is focused on natural products industry consulting. As a practitioner for over 35 years, James has been recognized as an industry leader receiving the prestigious Natural Products Association Clinician of the Year Award in 2011 for furthering the advancement of integrative medicine in the United States. He was named one of the 50 most influential pharmacists by America's Druggist magazine and was one of the only nine Americans selected to serve under Senator Harkin to participate in the inaugural Dietary Supplement Education Alliance and Dietary Supplement Information Bureau. Jim is a favorite interviewee for the media related to natural care and has done over 1,000 media appearances on TV and radio. Other industry highlights include a venture in 2010 with Lifetime Fitness, the largest publicly traded fitness company in the U.S., providing nutrition and metabolism expertise and developing Lifetime's national nutrition education protocol design and product development initiatives related to weight loss and prevention. This entailed educating close to 2,700 fitness trainers, 20 dietitians, and reaching some 1.2 million Lifetime Fitness members. Laval also served as the nutrition correspondent for Body Shaping, the number one fitness show on ESPN2 in the late 1990s. He has been a lead consultant with companies such as Bayer, CVS, Rite Aid, P&G, Procter & Gamble, Helsin, and Thorne Research, amongst others. And I know him through his lecturing with the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. <laughs> so thank you so much. That is quite the bio. That, that's a good bio. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, I kind of feeling old right now. You know, I turned 61 this uh, in two weeks. So it's like now all of a sudden I'm kind of feeling it. <laughs> yeah, don't tell the listeners that. I'm just kidding. You look great. You look great. <laughs> so you're a wealth of knowledge and you've written this book, Cracking the Metabolic Code, right? Nine right. Keys to Optimal Health and Longevity. I thought I wrote a long book, which was 350 pages. Your book is like twice as long as my book. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't got into any of my database books. Those will really put you to sleep. They're really long. Or this is really long, which absolutely trumps my length. But there's a lot of overlap with our content. So you just go more in depth. And so today I want to highlight the nine key factors of your book that are essential for creation and maintenance of a strong, healthy body. But before we do that, all of my guests have a story. So I want to know the story behind the story. So how did you get so interested in optimizing health and aging well? Well, I could take the rest of our time, but I'm <laughs> going to try and abbreviate it. So first of all, I had a big active interest. I started, I mean, I made my parents put weights and a bench in the back of my our car when we went on vacation, you know, oh, starting wow. at age 14. 
So I always was interested in fitness, you know, was a scholarship athlete, uh, but was interesting. I was very sick as a child. I was one of those, uh, you know, if you took me into a different environment, I was sure to get sick. They'd have a doctor that they already had set up, bad allergies, serious yeast, bad dairy allergies. Mm -hmm. And so I really ended up in a bad way, even though I trained and I remember winning a bodybuilding competition, which qualified me for the you know U.S. nationals. And I felt like I was 80 years old. Mm. And so I went to someone who cleaned up my gut, talked to me about adrenal stress, talked mm -hmm. to me about blood sugar regulation. And this is why I was just finishing pharmacy school. And, you know, I felt so good and empowered with my health that it became kind of a change in what I wanted to do with my pharmacy education. I was lucky that in my pharmacy education, we still had pharmacognosy, which was a study of plants, still had a lot of organic medicinal biochemistry. So I saw the value of natural compounds. But what really changed the trajectory of my career, I was working behind a counter at a pharmacy and I weighed about 250 pounds. I was all one big knotted muscle. And they would put me in the roughest neighborhoods and because it's, who's going to rob this guy, right? You know? Right. And so one night a lady came up to me, she gave me a prescription for a diabetic medication. And there was a pharmacy grocery store combination called Kroger's big national chain. Mm -hmm. She came back to me, gave me her Medicaid card. I looked in her grocery card at the end of the day. This is right out of school, by the way. And I looked at her, I looked at the cart. My grandmother was a fingerless, toeless, blind diabetic. All my aunts, uncles, mm -hmm. my dad, I understand diabetes really well. And because my grandmother used to feel my face with her little nubs, like she couldn't see me to see how I grew, right? So you can imagine a seven-year-old boy having his grandma doing that. And, it, uh, you know, and I loved my grandma, don't get me wrong. But I said to her, can I take you around the store and show you a few different choices? And I did that for her in the roughest neighborhood of a Medicaid population. The next two weeks, I had 15 other people show up wanting the grocery store tour. <laughs> and the long story short, I went to Kroger's and I said, hey, I want to develop a food tagging system for heart health and diabetes. I want to write a, a book, Shopping Healthy at Kroger's. And I eventually got that through. We tested and found more diabetics. I went through and tagged foods. And literally, even back then, I was on to watch the partially hydrogenated oils you know, just because it's as it's cholesterol healthy, you got to watch the sugar content. This is back in 1985. You know, I was using a slide rule to do calculations in pharmacy school. That's how long ago it was. But the reality was it turned into a national program. It ended up being the first food tagging system that actually created 1.2 million impressions a week for changing food habits for people that had conditions. Very cool. Well, yeah. And what, what it really showed me is if we just focus on the one person sitting in front of you or standing mm. in front of you to change their life, mm. it can go to millions of lives. And that's kind of how I've led my career since then and got passionate about it. So I've been doing this now all of my adult life and I just did my true age test. And at age, you know, going on age 61, I'm actually younger based on biological wage during the Horvath method, which for a male in the U.S. is incredibly rare. And my gene pool is bad. It shows you that longevity works and what we do to help people. I personally, you know, just did that test about six months ago. And I was like, you know what? I feel pretty good about it. You should. You should. 
So in my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, I'm comparing the home, right, to our body. And so chapter six is all about comparing the heating and cooling system of the home to the endocrine system in our bodies. And this is pretty much covered all in section two of your book with your first three keys to reclaiming your metabolism. So I want to go there. Can you share, and we can break these down, what key one, key two, and key three are, really optimizing our, our hormones. So let's start with key one and kind of work through those. Yeah, well, I think it's really important for people to understand. Like when I wrote the Metabolic Code book, it was um, really important because I kept seeing clustered problems over and over again. And so when you look at adrenal, blood sugar, and thyroid hormones and the relationships that those three hormones have together, you know, I try to cover that so you understand the relationships between those three big hormones because, and now the way I teach it at, you know, at A4M, as I mm -hmm. call it a triad, it, it's the real, yeah. it's the energy triad. It's how you make energy. When your adrenal hormones and cortisol is in balance and your circadian rhythm is good and you wake up alert, you go to sleep at night and you, you have deep sleep and you're not feeling overcommitted and stressed during the day, and that bag of potato chips isn't your best friend when you get home at five o'clock, you wanna hug it and love it. When that's not happening, and your weight is where it should be, those relationships are generally good. But the problem is, is that when your adrenals get under stress, and you start to put out inappropriate amounts of stress hormones, and the advanced problem is, is that you flatten the curve. You flatten your cortisol curve, that's what's associated with development of metabolic syndrome and diabetes and increased cancer risk, increased cardiovascular disease risk. And what that is really telling us is that it's triggering a new term in the medical literature, metaflammation. Metabolic inflammation leads to inflam aging, inflammatory aging. And so the key to longevity is keeping your immune system from becoming and basically a low-grade inflammatory engine that is pumping out inflammatory chemicals and stress hormones. When you pump out a lot of cortisol by default, your body's going to have a higher blood sugar because your body thinks you're going to get ready to fight a white tiger. You better have that blood sugar in there. And so have that blood sugar ready in, the, in your bloodstream. And the problem with that is, is once you start to have higher blood glucose, now your body has to make more insulin. And insulin is the most inflammatory uh, molecule in your body when it's made inappropriately. The number one cause of placking of your arteries is actually inappropriate glucose response after a meal. And so stress response is huge. And understanding that, hey, I'm not stressed. I just stress eat at night. I can't stop going to the, to the refrigerator. I can't stop hitting the chips. Gee, I'm perseverating. I'm making a list for my list, but I'm not stressed. We tend to associate, right? That's me. Yeah. <laughs> right? We know we associate, you know, stress with, oh, you're a nervous ninny. Not really. Stress can be good. You got to watch your blood pressure. You got to watch your heart rate. If your resting heart rate's above 62 beats a minute, that means you're probably sympathetic dominant. And, you know, and mm, so I haven't heard that over 62 beats yeah, a minute. And I'm no. checking mine right now. I'm at 59, even in the middle of this exciting interview. So I'm feeling Wow. So, so the point being is, those first three relationships of adrenal thyroid pancreas drive mm -hmm. if your body is going to make energy, if you're going to have good neuroplasticity, meaning, hey, my mood is good. I feel good. I feel competent. I'm not, over, I'm not overwhelmed, not feeling anxiety. I'm not feeling agitated. And 
the fact that with thyroid hormone, it's driving how do I absorb nutrients? How do I burn fuel? My mood good or not? And that's just a real quick drink it from the fire hose of you know those relationships. Triad one or that adrenal thyroid pancreas relationship that I detail probably too much uh, in my book. <laughs> but I think people need to understand how their they body do. works. They do. You know, if you don't understand how something works, you're just kind of going, wow, I never realized why I was, I go for the M&Ms at 3 p.m. every day at work. You know, I, I didn't get that. And when you calm the stress hormones down, now I don't crave it. And now you can start to, you know, maybe get your metabolism back on track, lose some weight. Let's talk about that. So I know you talk about top supplements for metabolism in your book as well. So maybe we can, and the answer is not just take the supplement. To be very clear here, the answer is not take the supplement. The answer is change the lifestyle. So you need less of the supplements. But what are some top nutrients or supplements you would recommend for adrenal health and thyroid health and blood sugar or pancreas health? One of my favorite topics. I mean, obviously, I've you know, 22 books and the majority of my books all center around the amazing data that's out there on natural compounds that we just seem to shun away. Overlook it. Yeah, we either overlook it or ignore it or deny it. So the number one thing for stress. So because for most of the time, your cortisol gets out of whack because you're under a lot of stress, right? Mm -hmm. And there's three ingredients that I think are the biggies. One is Relora, R-E-L-O-R-A. It's, it's an extract of magnolia and philodendron. And Relora helps, and, and there's actually allowable claims on this compound called Relora that helps people to reduce stress-induced weight gain. So people that would take Relora would say, I'm anxious and I'm also craving food and I'm overeating. So I'm gonna go for satiety. I want comfort. Give me a, a chocolate-covered bacon strip dipped in caramel with sea salt on it, right? It sounds gross, but they actually sell that, you know? So it's like, wow, I don't know if I could eat that. But people want that craving pattern, and that should be the first sign that your brain is hyper-aroused. And it helps you. The other thing is, is, so if you use the next one, theanine. Yeah. Theanine's great if you're a perseverator. I'm making a list. I'm mm -hmm. making a list. I got, you know, I'm just, I'm anxious, 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 but you're not necessarily craving. Can we go back to dose, dosing too? I'm sorry to cut you off. So is Relora once a day? Is it several times a day? How, how is that taken? Yeah, great. I usually start people doing Relora 250 milligrams, three times a day. And then I teach them how to use it as they need it, as they start to empower themselves and gain mm -hmm. control over their stress. Hey, use it when you know you're going into a stressful week. Use it if you know you got a big meeting. Use it when you feel like you may need it, just like plants used to be used in traditional medicine cultures. You know, you use them to help prevent things from happening. What happens now is we break that HPA axis. We hit that what's called allostatic load, right? Our brain starts to change the way it behaves. And now people get given their nutrients or Xanax and Prozac, right? Which we don't want to break that. We want to, we want to prevent that. So Relora, 250 milligrams, three times a day, and then learn how to adjust it based on how you're feeling. Theanine, I will give 200 to 400 milligrams a day, depending how anxious someone is, up to three times a day. So 200 to 400 milligrams, up to three times a day. And what I find a lot of people do is they don't take enough theanine. And it's interesting, there's no observed adverse event limit. Uh, there you go. 
Now, do you rub that one here or do you tape it under your arm? What do you do with that to make sure it's around you all the time? Just keep it in my purse. This is like my favorite supplement. I, the listeners know I love L-theanine. Yeah, yeah theanine's a bomb. I mean, it works great. And I do the same thing with that. I want to teach people when do you need to use it and uh, make it, you know, eventually make it situational. But what you have to do first is you got to get the brain to calm down. And the reason for that is a lot of times when people are stressed out, they also have sleep problems, right? Mm -hmm. And it turns out that sleep, if you look at the definition of sleep issues like insomnia, it's a disorder of hyper arousal, meaning your brain got too much stress turned on during the day. You flipped the switch, you broke the circuit. Now you can't turn it off. And now when you go to lay down at night, you're thinking, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And we're going on vacation in six months. What should I be packing? And I got that meeting next week. I got to do, oh my God, the kids projects due at school next week. And I didn't even help to get that started. And I got to chair that PTA. Ah, right. Or you go to sleep because you're exhausted, but you pop up in the middle of the night between two to 4 a.m. because you're not getting that second wave of melatonin to keep you into that deep and REM sleep cycles that you should be in. So I love Rolora and love theanine. And then if I'm looking at adaptogens, say you're not really super stressed, but you're living a stressful life, but you're not really feeling it yet, but you want to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. That's where I like things like rhodiola. You know, rhodiola, standardized extract of 5% mm-hmm. rosevins. You know, get in 250 milligrams, two couple times a day usually is enough. So 500 milligrams a day is usually enough. And that's great for performance if you're working out as well. Uh, you'll see improvement in performance. Uh, and so I think rhodiola is great. And another new one on the market that I think is really cool is Thai ginseng, otherwise known as black ginger. That is an interesting compound. Is that stimulating or not? It's not that stimulating. It protects your mitochondria and kind of stimulates keeping the mitochondria, what's known as biogenesis occurring, where you're, you're allowing those powerhouses of your cells to remain healthy and to renew ones, you know, to create renewal of the mitochondria. So I really uh, have been really enjoying doing um, Thai ginseng. And then if it's something where your, your stress has thrown off your sex hormones, once your stress hormones are high, you turn off your gonadotropin releasing hormone, you don't make sex hormones. I like Uricoma longifolia. So Uricoma longifolia is an herb that's been used for quite a while in Indonesia. And that particular herb Typically, it'll take 300 to 600 milligrams a day to get an effective improvement in getting your testosterone back on board. And that works for both men and women because we we hear testosterone and we think men, but women's testosterone drops when they get under all the stress and changes self-esteem, changes sexuality, you know, changes all that kind of stuff. Empowerment. I have not used that herb. I mean, where do I find that? Do most of the supplement companies carry that? Some do, some don't. If you want a really interesting product, I actually just designed one. I've designed several, uh, but you can get Tea Time and uh, you can just look it up. It's a metabolic code, Tea Time. Uh, and it's got uricoma in it. It's got testafen, which is the standardized extract of fenugreek that has been mm-hmm. proven to improve PMS symptoms in women, improve their free testosterone. Yep. So it's a very interesting combination of using clinical doses of the proven ingredients. That's my pet peeve. A lot of times products, you know, they don't have enough of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, they kind of pull the old bait and switch on you. So it's really good. And then, so that's for like my favorite adrenals. And there's many others. Ashwagandha is very popular. Are you a fan of ashwagandha? Yeah, okay. (laughs) I like ashwagandha. Yeah, ashwagandha is good. You know, I think cordyceps is amazing. Yep. 
Cordyceps is fantastic because you get that nice oxygenation of your red blood cells. It's very kidney protective. Actually, we thought of it as probably the most revered uh, nutrient in mm. all of traditional Chinese medicine. So it's a very, very powerful uh, agent. And I like that as well. No shortage of great adaptogens. And, you know, people don't realize they take an adaptogen. It's, it's really, it's working on your brain. It's not working like on your adrenal specifically. It's actually working on altering that allostatic load. It's starting to turn off all those switches in your brain that's not allowing you to make appropriate hormone response. And instead, you're going down this inappropriate hormone response. That's the value of adaptogens to keep you in that lane. And they're not going to force a bad reaction like a drug could. I mean, these adaptogenic herbs are very safe, generally speaking, to take. I always tell patients that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really not seen many reactions over the 35 years. And and honestly, you know, my clinics in Ohio that either I began working at where we were seeing 600 people a week or at our institute where I was seeing three to 400 people a week. So I've had a little experience. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I just haven't seen that many, you know, adverse events in the, in the adaptogen category over the years. We need to be using plant-based medicine, yes, instead of drug-based medicine. So what about for blood sugar control? What are your favorite nutrients? I know berberine is very popular. We've, we've talked about that a little bit on the podcast, but tell me your favorites. I, I think on blood sugar, the very first thing you have to do, because people are typically low in it, you got to make sure you get enough chromium in. Mm -hmm. The minimum amount of chromium would be 600 mics a day. If you're already having blood sugar swings, like I'm tired yep. after I eat or I'm shaky if I don't, yep, if yep, I eat yep. too long without eating. Probably got to pump that up to one milligram a day, maybe 500 mics twice a day. If you look at Dr. Pruce's work, you know, the doc that really published a lot of the, the groundbreaking research related to chromium, he would say a steady state, you know, 800 mics a day is probably where you'll end up being. And I, and I think he's right because our, you know, our food just doesn't have a chromium rich sources anymore. So we got to get that chromium mm -hmm. in. You got to have magnesium. If you mm -hmm. don't have magnesium and chromium, you can take banana leaf and you can take bitter melon and you know there's all these great herbs but the reality is those nutrients those two trace minerals are critical to making the insulin receptor actually work and so you got to have that and along with zinc and of course zinc mm -hmm. very popular now for other yeah. reasons another one that's real important is alpha lipoic acid because alpha lipoic acid helps to make the insulin receptor more active now why is that important so what happens is, is we get under stress or we don't have enough nutrients. We start to shut down what's called GLUT4 transport. That's the way your body, you know, insulin attaches to an insulin receptor. It opens up a door and says, bring the glucose in. And then that glucose gets burned and it makes 38 packets of energy. Now, if you break your GLUT4 doorway, it's like, let's make a deal. Doorway one, doorway two, right? Now, if you end up going down doorway three, Glute one transport, you only make two packets of glucose or of ATP for each glucose that comes in. So you make 19 times less energy. Now, the other thing that happens is you make more lactic acid. So your tissues become more acidic and your cell becomes more polluted. So when you're talking about cleaning up your home, it's like never bringing the vacuum out inside your cell when you're not efficient. So when we tell people that are diabetic, oh, just eat less carbs. They're like, hey, man, I'm a gas sucking SUV. If I don't eat these carbs, I don't get any energy because they're only making two packets of energy. So ALA, mag, zinc, chromium, baseline, 
And then I really like bitter melon extract. I've, I've had great success with bitter melon extract. And typically the dosing on bitter melon extract would be 250 milligrams twice a day. If you get the 15%, it's called a Charantin's 15% extract. That actually is used as a drug in Germany for people with early diabetes. It's a bitter melon extract. It's prescribed by doctors. Pretty interesting, right? And then on magnesium, you know, I dose people by body weight. So I like to dose them if they're active, like I'm exercising, I'm concerned about my blood sugar. I'm out there walking 30 minutes, five times a week minimum. I give them seven and a half milligrams per kilogram body weight. So I like to get, I like the magnesium. I like to dip people in magnesium. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, I really push that because it's critical for ATP function in your body. And, and a lot of people, yeah, man, I'm achy. I got muscle aches. I'm, I've got cramps. I got muscle spasms. I got restless legs. My eyes twitching. Get your magnesium pull up. And if you start there and combine that with appropriate eating, right? And because in general, people eat too much. They eat too often. They eat too late. They pick the wrong foods. And then they're under a lot of stress and they don't get enough sleep. Perfect combination for throwing your blood sugar off. So you got to change your lifestyle while you're thinking about using these nutrients. And the D's, zinc, mag, chromium, they're essential nutrients. Your body needs them. Yep. And we're going to talk more about nutrients with some of your last keys, but let's continue moving on through the next few keys. So in chapter five of my book, I'm comparing the laundry room in your home to the gallbladder and the liver and the body. And you also discuss this with keys four, five, and six, which really involve detoxing the liver, the intestines, and your environment. That's right. So I want to break those down briefly. So maybe let's talk about detoxifying your liver, which you call your body's garbage collector and recycler, which is very similar to, to my analogy in my book. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple. Your liver is responsible for cleaning house. And one of the biggest problems that we have, I think, is that if people are deficient in nutrients, their liver can't perform what it's supposed to perform. So your body basically takes in a toxin or makes one, right? Byproduct of metabolism. And your liver has to reshape it. And it's reshaping it so that it can either be carried out in the feces or carried out in the urine. And so a good example is, let's just take hormones, for example. If you make estrogen and you're on a high saturated fat, uh, high sugar, higher carb diet, you know, not eating a lot of plants, not getting in fiber, the microbiome in your body will start to make an enzyme called beta glucuronidase. And why that's important is the way your body gets rid of estrogen is it goes through what's called glucuronidation. It puts a handle on the estrogen. It's a handle to carry it out of the body. And when you make beta-glucuronidase, what you do is cut the handle off. And so the estrogen then recirculates and then can store in tissues. And men and women can both enjoy estrogen dominance, which really isn't joy. It's a problem because you gain weight. And in women, you can develop things like ovarian cysts and fibroids and endometriosis. And mm -hmm. of course, the metabolism of those you know, estrogen hormones also drive that pathway. And in men, of course, it can lead to things like BPH, basically a swollen prostate right? BPH. So, you know, your liver has to go through all these different pathways in order to carry that garbage out. Now, the second part that's important to this is understanding that what gets to your kidneys, that's the last phase of the detoxification. And so if your urine, if you're acidic, like your urine is acidic, what will happen if the compound survived detoxifying in the liver and you got the little handle carrying it to the kidneys, if your urine is acidic, 
it will tear the handle off. And then, for example, if you're trying to get rid of mercury or lead or arsenic, because guess what, guys? You eat rice, you're getting arsenic. And so if you can't get rid of that, that free metal actually damages your kidneys. So how do we alkalinize our urine? Well, it's what I talked about before. Remember, you're more acidotic if you're not good at processing your glucose. And if you don't get enough magnesium and potassium in your diet, i.e., please eat at least seven to nine servings of vegetables a day, which, which a lot of- rare, Yeah, rarely happens. Yeah. It, it just doesn't happen. So you better take some mag and potassium in order to equilibrate the urine and allow you to detoxify. So, you know, it's so important for people to understand that say you're using in your house, because I love your household analogy. It's so important, but you're using chemicals in the house and you're breathing mm -hmm. them in. And then you go out, you're a guy, you're working on the, the car and you're spraying WD-40 and you're not using gloves and you're breathing in formaldehyde from whatever source you got. You might already know that insulin resistance can lead to weight gain, but did you know that it also is one of the leading causes of death for its role in diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's? Diet changes are essential when it comes to combating insulin resistance, but additional nutrients can also help. The one I recommend the most? Berberine. Berberine is a plant extract that has been used in Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine for over 2,500 years. In addition to its long history, modern clinical trials have demonstrated that berberine supports cardiovascular health in a number of important synergistic ways. These include helping you maintain blood pressure, support healthy heart contraction and rhythm, and support healthy cholesterol and glucose levels. Our berberine support product also contains alpha-lipoic acid, or ALA, which has been shown to support blood sugar balance and is also a powerful antioxidant that scavenges free radicals. It's wonderful for maintaining healthy blood vessel and circulatory health. Consider taking the Synergistic Blend daily, or especially if you eat more than normal or indulge over the holidays or a birthday, where it should help reduce blood sugar spikes. Check out our product info sheet at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash product forward slash berberine hyphen support. To get 10% off berberine support, use code berberine at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the show. And then you live in Iowa and you have more exposure to herbicides and pesticides because they're just floating around the air here, right? They're not just yeah, in our foods. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you're getting those exposures and you're not actively countering for that, meaning that you need nutrients that support the liver, you need fiber. I, I tell people your target should be 40 grams of fiber a day. You know, people think, well, I eat vegetables. You know, I'm, I'm a plant forward person. Well, sure, but you realize only two grams of fiber per serving a vegetable. That's like a cup raw. So are you eating 20 <laughs> cups of vegetables a day? No. You know, are you getting some legumes in? That's eight, that's eight grams of fiber per serving. But I'm really big on getting people to take fiber powders because you need the fiber to help them to detoxify. It's without artificial sweeteners. That's my pet peeve. So many of them have the artificial sweeteners. But yes, I Absolutely. totally agree. I, I, I like the ones that have no sweeteners and are clear and just dissolve or just get straight organic psyllium husks or get organic chia seeds. But you got to get the fiber in to help with the detox pathways. And then if you are exposed in your job regularly, say you're a factory worker and you know you're getting exposed to things, I tell people, look, do a baseline of something like milk thistle. Take 240 milligrams of an 80% silly marin milk thistle daily because if you're going to work every day getting exposed, that means your liver's getting assaulted every day. 
And then there's other things that you could take as well that are, you know, important. I mean, for the gallbladder, I, I can't tell you how many people just this morning. Oh yeah. I just, with a patient, Oh, I can't tolerate greasy foods. Oh my gosh. I get, you know, really can tell a difference. Well, more than likely they need to get that gallbladder a little more active so that they're getting their bile acids to move correctly. Artichoke extract is, I think, one of the best herbs to help the gallbladder to process that bile so that your gallbladder is not getting sludgy. So that, those are key things with the liver. It's just realizing that if you don't have enough magnesium on board, you cannot go through phase one detox of your liver. So remember, phase one, phase two, if you can't get phase one working, well, phase two doesn't have much of a chance. Mm-hmm. And there's a variety of minerals and amino acids that you need in your body. It's why we should be eating. And it, there's this really secret tip I want to tell everybody that listens for you. If you actually chew your food, you get the nutrients out of it. So if you bite twice in gulp, you're not breaking your food down adequately. So it's a very hot tip. Savor flavor, chew slow. Yes, you'll swallow less air. (laughs) Yeah, it's. I'll never forget. I saw somebody, 16-year-old kid, I was coming out of doing a seminar in in Green Bay, Wisconsin. This is 25 years ago. 7 a.m., folds a piece of pizza over in half, has a Pepsi, eats the piece of pizza folded over in two bites. And then he had to gulp the Pepsi down to shove Shove it it down. It was crazy. I'll never forget it. (laughs) And uh, obviously, you know, but I think it's really important because even that stimulates the process of what we're doing to our liver, because as our gut gets broken down and we start to have bacterial translocation and, and peptides start getting into the bloodstream, your liver's got to filter all this stuff and it becomes more and more challenging. So you've talked about a little bit of support for the liver and the intestines, but how can we detoxify our environment? What are some some quick strategies there under that sixth key? Well, I think there's some big things nowadays. I mean, everybody's aware of biotoxins now, you know, mold's kind of the hot topic, you know. Absolutely. Well, I think yeah. air filtration. I mean, no, so there's obvious things like, for example, I just moved to Texas and I put down new flooring. My new flooring, low VOC, no emittance. I'm making sure that the environment that I'm living in, the type of furniture that I choose, type of flooring, the type of paint, do I have water filtration that's adequately getting rid of things from not just my drinking water, all the water going in my house, you know, because we don't even realize how much stuff you get exposed to in a hot shower. Oh, I, I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I have a two-year-old and as I was bathing him, because I don't really take many baths, I was smelling the chlorine and I thought, oh my gosh, this cannot be healthy for him. So I immediately on our home got a whole house filtration system going because I had reverse osmosis at the time put in my house for drinking water. I didn't realize all the good minerals it was removing at the time, but I'm happy that I, I did get the RO put in, but that was not, that was only for drinking water, not for showering and bathing. And so we had to get a whole house. We have basically a charcoal filtration system for the whole house. Right. And now his baths don't smell like chlorine. And now I'm taking some baths too, because I feel like it's actually healthy, not detrimental to my health. But so many people don't think about that. That's right. And throw some Epsom salts in there and get that extra mag. Magnesium. Exactly. Right. right. So no, it's so important that you think about the paint that you're putting on your walls. What type of cleaners are you using in your house? So really looking towards how can I get out of chemical exposure? Um, For example, wiping your feet off before you go in the house. 20% of that dust has probably got lead in it. 
which makes me nervous about my dog. I'm really, I'm really nervous about all the things my dog brings in the house because I can't wipe her paws every single time, right? I have a microfiber cloth by the door. So when she walks in, hopefully her paws are getting dabbled a little bit with that cloth. But I, it does make me nervous of all the things that she's bringing in the house too. But we have to think about those things. Yeah. And I think as long as you have a good proactive strategy, I mean, I got my little dog right here and I mean, he runs in and out and actually my son's dogs with me right now. They've already been in to visit. You don't know that. Maybe you heard them, but they're, you know, they're coming around, checking it out. You know, I don't worry about it too much. I just know that in air filtration is important. I got to tell you, especially if you had a water damaged building, if you had some moldy problems in your house, and even if you corrected it. So the big thing is air filtration that gets rid of back airborne, not just mold, but bacteria. They're finding out that actinomyces, which is a bacteria that actually kind of moves along with mold is a big problem for our immune system. So getting good air filters, like the IQ air, air filters are one of the, the ones that I recommend all the time. I like those air doctors. Yep. They're a yeah, you got you yep. to filter the air. That's where I start. And then guess what? It even includes, remember to cook at a lower heat. Let's don't oxidize oils in the air that we're breathing in as droplets. I mean, it's really starting to understand, like what I try to do with people is empower them. Like I don't want them feeling scared. I want them feeling empowered in developing a lifestyle that's promoting them becoming the best health that they can have. All right, so we're gonna use safer cleaning products. We're, you know, we're gonna use non-hormonal personal care products because that is a big problem. I mean, people just buy any shampoo, any soap, they, you know, detergents that are fragranced. Even tampons. Yeah, women use chlorine-soaked tampons again. Like, no, 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 don't do that. Right, exactly. So it's, it's, I think those are the things that I think are important that people do. Water, incredibly important. And then, you know, like we are getting to that point where people are starting to get smarter. I mean, I can tell you right now, over the years, I've had people where they had lung cancer. And we challenged them for, you know, looking at their toxic metals. And they're like, well, I never smoked, but they were a distance runner and they ran outdoors during rush hour for years. And so they're breathing in all of that. So it's even being smart about where you choose to play. Yep. We'll, we'll keep moving along to further keys here. So we're going to come back to nutrients for a moment here. In chapter four of my book, I'm talking about the importance of having the nutrients necessary to open doorways, essentially having that appropriate key, right? The appropriate nutrient to be that cofactor to, to help certain reactions in the body occur. And so I love it when my guests are speaking the same language and you talk a lot about nutrients you already have today, <laughs> talked a lot about nutrients. Um, but key seven is all about getting the most we can from what we eat. And you already mentioned to chew your food and eat more slowly. But how else can we get the most from what we eat, which is key seven? First thing is pick the best food you can. That's number one. I mean, I'm, I'm huge on people. Buy local if you can. Obviously, organic if you can. Or mm -hmm. biodynamic. If you can't afford to buy organic, because there's people that, you know, can't. And although I go to like things like, you know, cost plus wholesale grocers where they have organic food there and it's local. And so mm -hmm. you, it can be affordable. You got to look around. But if yep. you can't, then you got to go to the environmental working group and you got to look at the dirty dozen that they post and the clean 15 that they mm -hmm. post. And try mm -hmm. to limit, you know, the amount of things that you're picking if you're not buying organic. You know, stay away from the dirty dozen, the ones that are getting sprayed a lot. Celery is one of the worst. Tasting organic celery versus non-organic celery, that will convince you of the difference. Picking the right food is number one. 
And that's whether it's grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, free-range chicken, whatever you're doing there, incredibly important. And then, of course, how you cook it is incredibly important. You know, high heat on meat makes a lot of TMAO, and that's not so good, so try to cook at lower heat. I'm going to interrupt you. I almost interrupted you earlier when, we, when you were talking about this, but grilling so many individuals want to grill, but grilling is not, grilling is high, cooking at high temperature. So do you grill? I guess I'm putting you on the spot here. Well, you're not because I do grill, but my grill, I do an egg and I keep the temperature at 300 degrees. So that does not get black grill marks in char. Instead, it's like cooking in a, like a clay oven basically, right? So you're getting a moist low temperature cooking of the, if I'm, you know, doing chicken or doing meat, um, I'll do it that way. But I don't do the, uh, you know, 600 degree sear, you know, because that definitely could. And if you are going to do that, you need to season your meat. So there's great studies showing that when you use rosemary or you use basil or you add avocado to it, you dramatically change the oxidative value of that food. So there's wisdom in why traditional cultures use so many herbs with cooking, Mm -hmm. because it's actually very protective for your body. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying grow all you want, but at the same time, I think you can enjoy the function of grilling, which is fun. It's social. We enjoy it. But for us, it's always low temperature. My husband's been looking at those eggs, so he may Go have to get it. one of those. For- <laughs> I'm telling you, your Father's Day is coming up, I think. I know, I know. That, that, that's a biggie. It's fantastic. It really makes the best tasting meats because you're not flash heating it. You're really safely grilling it. and It's juicy and tender and wonderful. Awesome. Good to know you approve. Okay, <laughs> let's let's come back to water and even drinking water. So I mentioned I put reverse osmosis in our house. So I have to ask what you put in your house. I, I know you like structured water. So let's let's talk about that. And are you for or against RO? What? I'll just make it quick. RO is my favorite water. Okay. I mean, but I'm big on water research, right? So I'm big on, like I've written papers that have been published on hydrogen water, for example, because it becomes a wetter water. You know, we, we either, when you start to change the dipole, of the water, like meaning the water molecule angle that the H2O, like it's, you know, so you got two H's and one O, the angle that they're at makes it a wetter water so that it can absorb better. So I love taking RO water and then doing hydrogen water with it. So I really get it to be very absorbable in smaller chains. I'm not a big fan of alkaline water. I mean, I think that when people drink- Why not? Why not? I I find, and I found this talking to people, when they drink a lot of alkaline water, eventually it changes your digestive function. Sure. Think about your stomach, you know, say you're at a pH of three or four. This is just basic pharmacology. We did these kind of tests. I pour a pH of eight solution into a pH of four bucket. I'm neutralizing my ability of that hydrochloric acid to break down foods in the stomach. Literally your second phase of digestion, because your first phase, salivary amylase, chewing your food thoroughly and getting digestion starting in your mouth. But then it hits the stomach and you need that acidity because it ionizes your minerals. So when you, that's why when you take proton pump inhibitors, there's an increased risk of magnesium deficiency, calcium deficiency, bone loss, vitamin D deficiency, protein deficiency, because when you change the pH of the stomach, now I'm not saying if somebody's got an ulcer, they don't need to be on that medication for a short period of time. I'm, I'm, so it's not right, that. Right. It's just that continually creating a high pH in your stomach 
by drinking all alkaline water all the time is going to affect your digestion. I totally agree. I think there are ways around that and that you could choose to not drink alkaline water with meals, right? You could drink alkaline water aside from meals. You know, for those listeners who drink alkaline water, we're just saying potentially don't drink super high. Usually those machines, you can crank up the alkalinity right up and down. So with meals, crank it down. Maybe don't drink just super high alkalinity water at all times. So let me go back to the structured water though. So how do you structure your water? So you so you actually have a, a device or how do you? Yeah, I actually got in on structured water a long time ago because I was brought in to this Romanian pharmaceutical company that was taking water and putting it through a media of things like charcoal and stone because how water gets structured in nature is water going down a mountainside and tumbling over stones. And you, that water becomes this highly ionized, absorbable you know, water. And so what they did was they tried to mimic that structuring of the water by doing it through columns. And then what they used that for was they were using it in cosmetics because it made what's called a wetter water that would carry nutrients into the skin more effectively. And I was kind of brought in to evaluate that technology and go to Romania and see how it was going. And then I started seeing that, you know, you can structure water differently through electrolysis. You can, okay. you can structure water differently in, through natural environments. That's why I think there are healing mineral waters in the world because they're probably structured. Yeah, you know, they yep, have a yep. little different dipole to them and that makes them a more wettable, absorbable water. And you got to have clean water. I mean, mm -hmm. filtering, is, I think, is critical. I mean, between the drugs that are in water Right. And then the cysts that are in water and the toxic metals. And if you're on a well, you should absolutely be filtering your water mm -hmm. because uh, water will carry all that stuff right into you. Could you be missing out on magnesium? If you aren't already taking magnesium, you likely should be. Our deficient food sources, caffeine consumption, stress, and exercise rob us of magnesium, which is an important cofactor for hundreds of processes in the body. It can calm your mind and ease your nerves to help you sleep at night and help reduce anxiety, PMS, and headaches. It can relax your muscles when you have cramps, your bowels when you're constipated, and it's required for energy, hormone production, and vitamin D absorption. If you're interested in exploring more about how magnesium can help support you living a longer, healthier life and the exact type of magnesium supplement to look for, check out my blog post, The Magnificence of Magnesium, found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash blog. And use code MAGNESIUM for 10% off our magnesium chelate product at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yep. Okay. So let's move on to the last key, which is key nine about oxygen. So tell me your, your key points on, on the importance of oxygen. You know, it's interesting. I'm doing research right now. I'm always doing research on something. So this is a really a wild one. This is on powdered oxygen. So you literally put it in water, stir it up, drink it, and it oxygenates your tissues right away. Hmm. And they actually developed it because you say, for example, if you're in a war, in war, if somebody's bleeding out, there's something called the golden hour, where if you lose enough blood and you can't get oxygen to that organ, that organ dies and then you subsequently die with it, called the golden hour. Baylor School of Medicine did these studies using this powder and they uh, put it in IV. And they found out that the golden hour could be extended to several days. Wow. So it's kind of like molecular hydrogen, only it's like oxygen. Yeah. Cool. 
And what's interesting is, is what we're finding out is people can drink it and obviously it can improve performance, but it's even helping people that have had immune challenges. It's helping people with TBIs because you're able to get, you can almost think of it as hyperbaric oxygen in a powder. In a, yeah, drinkable. or In a drink. Yeah. And we're actually doing a study that we're going to be looking at MRIs, looking at fluid movement, post-hyperbaric oxygen versus the powder and see what's going to, you know, whether there's some reality to the fact of what yeah. it's doing. So you didn't realize we're going to get that crazy today, did you? It sounds very promising. Very cool. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So why is oxygen so important? Obviously, it's our it's our giver of life. We're we're oxygen utilizing beings, and everybody's kind of familiar with oxygen now because of you know the pandemic. And hey, or when your oxygen saturation goes down, you're in trouble. So finally, people are starting to understand that. And so it's not just about hey, I'll just carry an oxygen container all day and breathe oxygen. It's how well are you carrying that oxygen? And I remember I I, just, I mentioned cordyceps a mm -hmm. while ago in our talk yeah, yeah. and cordyceps what it's really known for it was used in tibet the mountaineers in tibet the chirpas would eat cordyceps because cordyceps makes you hold your oxygen on your hemoglobin longer and that's why athletes started to use it so when they're up at you know 16 17,000 feet right. they're going hey no deal but with athletes they started using cordyceps and seeing a improvement in vo2 max between 9 and 13 percent wow that's really big. And VO2 max is a huge predictor of longevity for the listeners. It's very important to you. It really is. And so the big thing is, I'd like to put it this way, oxygenate or die. We need to get that air in us. We need to utilize oxygen. Hey, you know what? If you're inactive and you're sitting a lot, get out there and walk. You don't have to run. I did a lot of Qigong breathing and Tai Chi, you know, when I, in my earlier years. So I did, you know, deep breathing exercises. I teach people how to just do box breathing all the time in my practice, you know, four seconds in, hold four seconds, four seconds out, hold four seconds. Why? Deeper breaths, the diaphragm's getting re-educated to drop because under sympathetic top dominance, when we get stressed out, the diaphragm gets pulled up. And now I think, oh my God, I'm having heart, chest pain. No, you're not. Your diaphragm's pulled up too high. <laughs> and why that's important is I've got to get that parasympathetic tone back and restore my heart rate variability and restore my neural network connectivity. And breath is what does it. Oxygen is what does it. When we're in a low oxygen environment, we make more lactate. When we make more lactate, we trigger more anxiety and more sympathetic tone. So we make more adrenaline or adrenaline and we trigger more nervous system hyperactivity. So oxygen, super important. Love it, love it, love it. I have to ask, I don't ask all of my guests this, but I want to ask what a day in the life of Dr. Laval looks like. Can you tell us some of your habits? I mean, you have aged very gracefully. So are you comfortable sharing with us some of your top sure. tips and habits sure that no, you I, have incorporated that have served you well? Honestly, I'm, I'm real comfortable with it because I'm not, I would say I'm not Frankensteinian. I don't go for, you know, I'm going to find the latest hormone and I'm going to put it in me. So here's what I do. I try to do 45 minutes of aerobics, but it doesn't have to be all intense. It will be walking. It'll be walking in an incline. Sometimes it's on a treadmill. Sometimes I'm walking down to the lake. Sometimes I run walk. Sometimes I run only. So I do that at least four times a week, mostly five times a week. And then now that I'm 60, I train with weights about 30 to 40 minutes, three times a week. So that's my training. I really focus on keeping my heart rate down. So I'm big on uh, waking up in the morning and having quiet time. I don't jump out of bed and try to race to the first thing I have to do. I literally take the first hour of my day to be more contemplative. 
and to be at a lower resonance, I would say, so that I'm really trying to lead into the hecticness of my day with that still point of calmness. And that's really important that we begin to set the pace of our day. I'm busy. I mean, I've got a cloud-based informatics company. I lecture all over the world. I'm writing books this year. I mean, I'm not telling people, oh, just chill because I am not a chill guy. (laughs) Other than my heart rate, even now it's at 53. I'm pretty committed to trying to balance out that pace in my life. And I think that's important. And then I do blood tests on me every four months. I try to make sure I'm keeping things in check. You know, I'm an APOE 3-4 guy. That means I can't eat a lot of sat fat. So I've been very careful about these last seven years of eating saturated fat. And then it's all about, you know, what am I eating? And so I'm big on eating plants. I mean, my wife's a dietitian. She's educated at A4M. She's actually the brightest dietitian I know. And I'm not saying that because she's in the room, because she really is that bright. And so we try to eat really responsibly, you know, buying organic, eating plant foods, getting quality sources of protein, trying not to overeat. And yes, I still enjoy, I do have a cocktail a couple times a week. I'm not trying to be doing everything absolutely perfect. I'm trying to enjoy my life, but I have these guiding principles. Get a good night's sleep. Try to understand easing into the day because the day can always be hectic. You can fill your day very quickly with hecticness. It's not hard. And I shut off at you know, you know, 7 p.m. no matter what. I'm done. I mean, I'm not doing anything related to work. I mean, it used to be I would work long, even if, even if it was reading, it was always be something. So I'm trying to create balance. And those are the key things. And yeah, I check my medals and do all that, but really try to do that. And, uh, and I have to agree. I mean, I, I'm very happy. I always tell people, you know what, I'm going to look pretty good in that casket in 30 years. You know, I'm still on that third phase of my life and I'm still very athletic. And a lot of people don't look at me and think I'm 61. I mean, I get all that, but I still have this sense of knowing that, all right, this is the last third and I want to savor and enjoy it. And I'm going to make sure that I do the things that I can so I can have the best longevity that I could expect out of my body. That's it. I, I love that. That, I guess, is not really fair because I was going to ask you your top longevity tip, but then I already asked what you're doing. So I guess it's not really fair to ask your top longevity tip now, unless you have something that you want to add. I just hope that people really embrace the opportunity to live a healthy life. When I work with people now, I'm really trying to empower them to understand that it's all about choice and you can choose to feel the way you want, but here's the path and here's the selections that you need to make in your life if you really want to be successful with managing your health and enjoying your loved ones as long as you can. I would just encourage people to create choices that allow for a lifestyle and not out of restriction. Because when we restrict things and we limit things and, oh, I'm on a a modified FODMAP diet with uh, slightly plant-based, ketogenic, vegan, all of a sudden I have four foods to pick from, you know? And when we really start to restrict ourselves and feel like we're putting ourselves in a box, typically you're going to break out of that box and you're going to break all the rules you made for yourself. And so why not create things that are your free will and your empowerment? So that's my top longevity tip and what I, the way I feel. Well said, well said. Tell us where listeners can find you, kind of where your websites are, and I understand you have some free downloads on them as well. 
Sure. Yeah. JimLaval.com. That's a real easy one. You can go to JimLaval.com and it's got eBooks and there's some free downloads in there and there's where my books are and where I've spoken and all that stuff. And then if you're interested in metabolic code, and that's our cloud-based information system that kind of evaluates where you're at and clusters what area of your body you need to work on the most, that's just metaboliccode.com. We will post links to those in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show and reminding us that change is in our control and there is something we can do to better our aging processes. So thank you for sharing how we can increase our longevity. And I just want to thank you also for educating providers like myself so that we can reach the masses and ultimately work to prevent chronic disease in this population. So thank you for your passion. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I love that. Thank you so much. Well, that was awesome. Providers like Dr. Laval are why providers like myself can really excel in practice and help more people. He's just so easy to listen to and learn from. And as he says, we have the choice to embrace our opportunity to be healthy. And that's also part of why I started this podcast, to help show you what opportunity you have through interviewing experts like Dr. Laval. I'm so thankful to have had him on. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.